Endometriosis, it's been a topic of conversation on afternoons before, uh, and with good reason, it impacts the lives of about 1 in 10 women across Aotearoa, New Zealand, and yet it remains a relatively mysterious condition. That's why a team of biomedical engineering researchers from the University of Canterbury have decided to approach it from a different angle. Lecturer Dr Rachel Wood will be discussing their work at an upcoming talk at the university's Island campus at 7pm this Wednesday. She joins me now. Hello there, Rachel. Hi, how are you going? Good. As I say, we have talked about it before, but remind us what endometriosis is and the sort of impact it can have on a woman's life. So endometriosis is essentially when tissue that's meant to remain inside the uterus starts to grow and explore other areas of the body. It can cause a lot of um, chronic pain for um, people who experience it. It can cause um, a lot of fatigue. It can have an impact on fertility. And the issue at the moment really is we don't have a cure and there's always a lot of issues with trying to diagnose and trying to get good symptom management for these women because some of them aren't even able to work or study because the pain has too much of an impact in their lives. Is there much good research on endometriosis out there? There is a lot of attempts being made. Um, Unfortunately, because there hasn't been a lot of research happened sort of in the past, it does mean there's lots of different approaches that people are taking. So there's some specialists who are looking at new ways of imaging like I said being able to diagnose we need to be able to see what we're diagnosing and we can't do that with normal scans very well the same way we could for um, other diseases so people are looking at um, how we can optimize that so there's been some really cool work happening there people are also going down um, the whole gut bacteria exploration which has become very popular for different diseases and also looking at if there's any other sort of markers we can look at in the same way of can we do a blood test can we do a saliva test and can we find something in there that will tell us what the patient is um, experiencing yes because as i recall it can be quite a long time to get endometriosis diagnosed that's part of the problem yes that's definitely part of the problem uh in new zealand we have a delay to diagnosis for about 8.7 years from symptom onset to uh, final diagnosis we've talked to um a Maori cohort for them was 11.6 years. For Pacifica patients, it was 12.4 years. And with a rainbow cohort, it was 10.2 years. So this is a long time these women are being in pain. They're often not having their symptoms managed properly. And they're going through a lot of self-doubt themselves because they don't necessarily believe because they're being told so much that it's in their head or it's not real or we can't find anything that physically explains this pain. And therefore, it's a very long time for these women to be really uncertain and scared about what is happening to their bodies. Yeah. How do you get a definitive diagnosis? Unfortunately, the only definitive diagnosis is having invasive surgery um, in terms of being cut open and being able to actually see the lesions, which are um, what endometriosis essentially looks like inside the body, and yeah, being opened up and being able to see them. And even then, it's, the issues are that it can still be missed. Um, we've talked to patients who had one surgery, nothing was found, had a second surgery, and they found it not only there but in the previous um, video of the first surgery, so it's not definitely going to be picked up. And then even once they've had the surgery, it does it can still recur in up to 40% of patients. Yeah. That can obviously be very 
upsetting as well. Very tough. Tough statistics, tough stories. Can you tell me what biomedical engineering is and why you think that may be able to help? So my impression of biomedical engineering is the idea that whatever problem we're trying to solve, nature has almost always got there first. Nature's very good at doing what it's doing. So what my work looks at is how can we utilize what the body does naturally and persuade it to do what we want it to or Mm -hmm. try to stop it doing what it's trying to do. So in terms of um, if you've got cancer, it's trying to invade the body. So trying to understand how is that invasion happening and how can we stop that invasion happening using the body itself. Got it. How might that work with endometriosis? So in a similar way to cancer, but it's normally a bit nicer to talk about um, the formation of the placenta. Um, and that those are a couple of things that happen in an invasive way. And we know that these cells, in order to invade, they change their environment. They make their environment happier for them to be able to invade, even though in the case of endometriosis, we don't want them to be doing that. So we are looking at sort of medical devices and looking at how can we target how the cells are invading and how they're changing that environment and halt those changes. Can you tell us a bit more about how you might do that? Um, So we know, um, again, for certain cancers, we know that um, there are cancer therapies that target um, the changes that happen. This is often the tissue stiffening, and when the tissue becomes stiffer, the cells can invade better. So we are looking at using tissue from that patients are very kindly donated and trying to identify how the stiffness of that tissue differs from the tissue of healthy patients. If we can determine that it's stiffer, if we can then work out what the cells are telling the tissue to make it stiffer, we can then intercept that message and stop them from at least being able to spread so although the endometriosis may still exist, we can stop it before it spreads throughout the body because it has been found in every organ in the body from the brain to the heart to the lungs. So we can at least minimize the way it can get throughout the body and then we can target it hopefully better. Hopefully someone else's research can look at that. How optimistic are you that your approach may help make a breakthrough? I think I'm quite optimistic because I think... The way we're doing it is very unique. You often, I think it's very important with any sort of research to make sure you have a variety of people with different inputs and different ideas to look at how, looking at how to solve the problem. So I'm pretty optimistic that we are going to find that there is a difference in stiffness um, from previous research that's been done. It looks like that, I'm pretty optimistic that's what we're going to find. How easily we can then intercept that messaging that's where it gets a little more complicated and I'm unsure how easy that's going to be. Um, It may be quite straightforward. It may be very complicated and may take 10 years and we still don't understand. Mm. You never know with the body. Yeah. So how will you do this research? Can you put it in sort of layperson's language for us? So I said what we'll be doing is we'll be taking tissue from patients and looking at what that tissue looks like. Yeah. How stiff is that tissue? And we'll over what can, sort of, sorry, yeah, sorry, you did say that, and, and over what sort of time period is it over the next kind of year or, or however long it takes? 
At the moment, we're hoping to do it over the next couple of years. Um, a lot of the delay in this sort of research is getting access to that tissue. Um, you only get a certain amount of tissue. Not everyone obviously wants to don donate their tissue, which is completely mm. their decision. Um, but we're, I'm also quite optimistic because we're working with labs in the US we're working with labs in Australia and we're all making sure that we're trying to approach this in the same way, taking the same measurements, so then we can build up a larger amount of data faster. Fantastic. So I'm hopeful in the next couple of years that's actually going to be something that we're really going to have this bank of data that not just us but other people can then use to maybe look at different approaches. In the meantime, you're giving this free public talk on Wednesday. Why is that important to you? Um, why have you decided to share your message in that way? I think it's very important for this to be something we talk about. Um, part of the issue with why we haven't really known about it for a long time is it's been a very taboo subject. And we've talked to patients and they found it very beneficial to be like, I'm not alone, it's not just me. So anything we can do to get the conversation happening about endometriosis, I think is really important. And given the work I've been doing, given the work we do with patients, if I'm not spreading that message, I feel like I'm letting them down because uh -huh. we want to keep talking. Are you hoping that people with some experience of endometriosis might come along and, and, and perhaps feel a little bit more optimistic or a little more heard after hearing your talk? That would be ideal for them to come along and hear, as you say, that other people have gone through this. This is what's been beneficial. That person describes exactly what I'm going through. But also people who are... Um, partners or caregivers or family members to try and help them get a better understanding of how they can support their loved one or give people in general who are interested in this sort of research or who actually don't know much about endometriosis and want to come and get an understanding so anyone who yeah would be able to get something beneficial and get a little bit more understanding of what endometriosis is and how it affects all those people who are living with it. Gee, just looking at the um, your various research interests, you're in some really interesting different areas from spinal cord injuries to traumatic brain injury. It sounds like your particular discipline is a, a good way into various different things. I've always been fascinated by the way the body works. Um, and so utilising the sort of cell modelling, so we often take cells out of the body and then look at how they behave in the lab. So that can be quite translational to a lot of different um, areas of research. It's just learning what those particular cells need to be happy in the lab. And then you can apply um, very different um, approaches, but that tends to be your base. So it does allow a wide range of research options to come up. Yeah. And biomedical engineering, is a pathway into that through engineering or is it through medicine? So I came through as a chemical engineering graduate and somehow ended up here. Hmm. I So I think any, whether it's biology or whether it's engineering, um, both tend to have a really good approach in that way. But then also you definitely need people with a more medicine background. I've worked with students who had a pharmacy background and that can be really helpful because like I said before, research works best when you have a different range of people's views coming in. Good stuff. Uh, well, thank you for the work you're doing and for sharing with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time.